I haven't recorded a podcast in so long, it's like I'm not sure even how to do it, how I was doing it before. And this this always happens. I get sidetracked with other things and then uh, kind of forget how to do whatever it is I'm doing. This happens in my studio. I'll be making all this headway and finding all kinds of amazing sounds with my various pedals and effects, this, that, and the other thing, and then... I just let a shitload of time go by, and then I come back and stand before the equipment, and I don't know shit. So, anywho, I'm back. Why haven't I podcasted in so long? Well, first of all, I've been absorbed in some other projects. I'm uh, still on, you know, lockdown or whatever you want to call it, quarantine. We're doing uh, school remotely, so I still have a job, which is a good thing. And I'm doing my job, but doing it from home, and it's just, you know, it's not the same. And I still have a lot more time than I would have relative to if I was actually going into work. But um, obviously I have not been filling that time void with podcasting or recording, but I did manage to finally get my backyard project pretty much completed. I really, for the last seven, eight, ten years, ever since I moved here, I wanted to have a basketball court in my backyard. And uh, these things just don't happen by themselves. So I had to get somebody to actually put in the concrete. And then, you know, you got to do all the research. And I had to research different basketball hoops. And it was a huge undertaking from beginning to end. And it's really only just kind of ended. So the guy came in, he put in the court. It looks pretty good. It does have a crack in it already, which pisses me off. I emailed him about it, and of course he didn't respond. As soon as I'm no longer the customer, as soon as he cashed the checks, now he doesn't respond to my uh, correspondence. But before I gave him the money, he would respond like immediately to my emails and stuff, which is interesting. But anyway, I don't want to be too precious about it. Other than the crack in the one spot, it's great. Um, so I've got this basketball court, and then I wanted to get, uh, at first I wanted to get an in-ground basketball hoop system, and I wanted it to be like the premium Cadillac system so I could adjust it down and dunk on it and hang on the rim and all this. But I was still waffling as to where exactly I was going to put it, and and again, it's uh, these things don't, don't just insert themselves into the ground you have to dig like a four foot hole and do all this shit with concrete so i just wasn't sure so then i had the court put in before 
I really made the decision on the hoop and then putting a permanent system in, I, I still didn't even know exactly where I would put it, you know, what side of the court. So I decided to get a, a portable system, but I didn't want just some like toy bullshit portable basketball hoop like you see in people's yards with the sandbags on it to keep it from tipping over and they look basically like uh, toys. So I did a bunch of research. I got this uh, this hoop called the Bear, the Pro Dunk Bear. And this thing is like the absolute Cadillac of uh, portable basketball hoops. It's like a pro hoop, but it was a absolute monster to uh, assemble. And it was just insane. I mean, it, it, you had to get uh, 30 concrete, what they call cap blocks to put in the this ballast box on the back of this thing. And each one of these things, each one of these blocks weighs 30 pounds and you have 30 of them. So you're talking 900 pounds right there, just in this ballast box, just getting 900 pounds of concrete, uh, back and forth from home Depot to my house in the, in my little Toyota Corolla was a project. And then I ordered this basketball hoop system and it came on a pallet, like stacked about as tall as I was and getting the components from my garage to the backyard and assembling this thing was very difficult. The very last part of it was to put this uh, 60 inch tempered glass backboard on it, which I could not do by myself. And I had to get a buddy of mine to come over and uh, he and I and our wives put it up and we damn near killed ourselves even with four of us. So, but it was, uh, it was cool. And I had it up there and um, been shooting baskets and uh, I also got this soccer rebounder um, that I've been kicking soccer balls against and I hoped would keep the ball from going over my little rock wall and then down into my neighbor's yard, but that proved to be uh, not the case right away. I mean, and my neighbor is a brand new neighbor on that one side and the ball bounced over the fence and like rolled down and smashed into their porch furniture and it was embarrassing. I had to go and grovel and uh so then i put this like ball stop system net over it's like 10 feet high on that wall and basically just got done with all that and uh been shooting hoops enjoying it so that was a huge project and that kept me uh kind of out of the podcasting game And otherwise, also, this podcast is a way for me to express myself sort of in an uncensored fashion. And as we were getting into the the quarantine and all that, there was all this social unrest 
um, with the George Floyd killing and then all the various protests and stuff. And um, my social media world is really comprised of mostly very progressive people. Most of my friends, people I went to school with. And there was like a, a just a madness from my perspective that um, just descended on a lot of people that I know, people that I care about, to the point where um, if you didn't exactly agree with every single thing that was said in the name of, you know, anti-racism or Black Lives Matter, there was this incredibly censorious um, crushing of dissent uh, that I just found weird. I mean, I don't post that much on social media, but it got to the point where I saw a group of people that I know well that are very intelligent, um, and these people were engaging in like a McCarthy-esque um, rounding up of of various uh, people in their area, business people that were supposedly racist in some way and were trying to like shut down their businesses and things and shame them. And I looked into it and it just was so creepy. I mean, the group think, it was just, it really kind of scared me. And I know there was a lot of uh, other stuff about cancel culture, this, that, and the other thing. But I was seeing it in my own world where people were just going after other people and really for not good reasons. I mean, they were just basing uh, their quote-unquote evidence for these people being bad people was just just disgrunt, former disgruntled employees that uh, just said things that were very vague and just may or may not had, had had anything to do with racism or anything like that. So I was just like, what is going on here? And then um, other people in my f extended family and friends were getting into stuff like uh, Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility and Ibram Kendi's uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And these other books were, I looked into them and some of the shit in those books, just from my perspective, is just, uh, just bonkers. I mean, I don't know how you can... Um, not object to certain things that are being done in the in the name of quote-unquote anti-racism and social justice if your critical thinking faculties are still active i mean and and i, I obviously don't consider myself a racist and i like everybody else I, I think of myself as a good guy and everything but i am so averse to groupthink in general i'm very anti-authoritarian I'm also anti-identitarian. I don't think that the particular version of anti-racism that is uh, very popular amongst my friends is the right way to go. I think there's other ways to combat racism that are that make a lot more sense. And um, anyway, I, I initially wanted to express some of these objections, but I just when I saw what was happening on my social media feeds, and of course I'm making a mistake doing this like many of us do, I'm mistaking what I'm seeing coming through my social media feeds for what is actually happening. And I think this is a fundamental problem right now. 
we all have social media feeds and we just accept that uh you know what's coming through those is telling us giving us an accurate picture of quote unquote what is happening in the world i just don't think this is true i saw a documentary that some of you may have seen called the social dilemma and uh it's on netflix and it kind of goes into a lot of stuff that some of us already understand i mean i've been thinking and even podcasting about this stuff for a long time now but it's the idea that our our feeds are like algorithmically constructed in such a way as to very much give us a distorted point of view that is really just designed to capture our attention and um, and not to inform us as to what's really going on and confirmation bias and things like that are incredibly amplified and um, so I even though I'm very much aware of all these things I think I was kind of falling for that too and I'm seeing all this what I thought was just insane groupthink of people on the far left and I was getting worried that if I just do my normal express myself thing that in that environment that I actually might be risking my reputation like people could actually come after me and somehow try to I don't know contact my employers and I I would get into some sort of shit and I'm embarrassed to say but I I kind of uh yeah I kind of freaked out there for a second I went in and I just I was seeing a lot of this on Facebook and I just deleted every single post that I ever put on Facebook and I delete every image, every photo, my profile photo. I should have just deleted the whole account, but I, I didn't want to take that step just because it's still maybe it's one of the only ways I can see like pictures of my nephews and other extended family because that's that's just where my relatives put things like that. So I wanted to be able to lurk and peer into it. Um, and so... I kept the account, but I scrubbed it of all content, which was a pain in the ass, but it it seemed like a drastic step. And in doing so, looking through all the content as I'm getting rid of it, there's nothing in there that could have been used against me in the (laughs) court of uh, woke opinion or whatever I was fearing. But I don't know. And it's also funny that in in the very early days of Facebook, what I was coming up against, what I was shocked by, was that different friends from high school and college were on the right all of a sudden. And I would post things that I thought were just innocuous or funny, like um, The Daily Show or something like that. I'd, I'd post a clip, and I'd get all this pushback from, from people on Facebook that it connected with me um, because they saw, you know, that we went to high school together or whatever, and they would push back, and they would be super right-leaning people. And I, initially, I was engaging in all these discussions with them, but I quickly discovered that it was a just an absolute fucking waste of time. Like there was just no commitment to critical thinking and dialogue. And, and so initially I was always wary of people on the right and their, and their confirmation bias and their just bad critical thinking. And just by default, I sort of associated myself with 
liberals and people on the left, even though myself, I'm not partisan. I'm not a member of the Democratic Party. I'm just not a joiner. I'm just not into joining groups. And I just, I don't see any reason to identify with a political party because then it's just assumed that you have certain beliefs. And my beliefs just don't map onto that fake left-right spectrum that I just think how I think. And it some things might be more similar to the left, some to the right, some to libertarian, some to this and that, but I don't identify with any of those things. I'm just, I just think for myself. But uh, initially, I saw censorship and curtailing of, of freedom of thought and freedom of speech as things happening on the right for the most, most of my life, um, coming from like religious perspectives and various moralistic uh you know, stances like trying to censor creativity and song lyrics, all that stuff was coming from the right. But somehow in the last few years, it's just flipped. And my really progressive and far left friends are the most authoritarian um, people now that I know. I mean, that just, I, I don't know if it's like a, it's like a derangement from having a bozo like Donald Trump in office all these years and people are just I don't know their their minds are are warped in that sense or if it really is this social media confirmation bias distortion that uh, you get into these little silos and you don't interact with anyone who disagrees with you and then it's a shock when you're confronted with someone who doesn't view things the same so anyway I, I just I literally deleted everything in Facebook. I deleted every Twitter thing I ever did. And I was just, I said, I'm not using any of this shit anymore. It's like, I, you can't express yourself now. People will know who I am and come after me. And so if I can't speak in an unfettered way, then I just, I can't speak at all. So I just basically shut myself up. I wrote long, long essays and, and papers and all of this, like, arguing things to various people that I never sent them. So I have right now all this, all these like almost like papers and essays critiquing things I was seeing because I needed to just think through things myself, but I never actually sent any of these things to the people that I was arguing against in my own head. Only my wife, you know, I talked about things with my wife and she's very reasonable, even though we don't, we don't agree on everything. And we have different perspectives. She's much further left than I am, but we uh, we can discuss things and disagree and learn things from each other. But I just, I don't know, I wasn't feeling that vibe. So I then as far as the podcast goes, I mean, I just, again, I just like to express myself however I want. I just felt like I just couldn't. I was censoring myself because I was worried that even the few people that uh, would listen to this would somehow be in this mode where they were pitched in these uh, these battles that have been stoked by social media and things that they're fed and and then if they detect in me that I could be you know maybe on the other side of a certain issue then I'd be demonized and I'd lose friendships and so my response instead of to just stick up for what I was thinking was to just be quiet and I don't know in hindsight maybe that was okay. Maybe it's good that the, maybe the temperature needed to be lowered 
it was just sometimes it's pointless. It's sort of like when you're having an argument with your spouse. Sometimes when you're in the moment and you're pissed off or you're both really full of emotion, that's not the time to try to talk about it and work it out because emotion and all that, it's just going to distort your thinking and it could lead to saying things in the heat of the moment that you don't want to. And I've learned that the hard way over the years. Sometimes you just need to just be quiet, let that fire burn down, and then your thinking is going to be much more clear when all the chemicals and neurotransmitters and stuff have sort of settled and you're and you're not um, you're not all emotional and and um, you just can communicate more clearly and that's obvious and totally works by the way. So I, I guess I sort of did that with uh, with all this. I mean, my I was also reacting strongly because. Again, I'm very anti-authoritarian and very anti-identitarian. And when there's a strong forces of authoritarian forces and identitarian forces out there, it pushes my buttons. And all of a sudden, I feel like, Jesus Christ, the world's going insane. How are all these uh, these people not agreeing with me and I'm totally right and they're totally wrong? And so there was a certain edge to my, my desire to want to... Uh, argue my point and stuff that so it's probably good that I just shut up I, I may I end up publishing some of these essays and pa- papers that I wrote about about race and identity and things things I've been really interested in but I just was afraid to express them uh, maybe now it's things have cooled down enough or I I feel like I could I might just self-publish some of that stuff and um <laughs> then anyway that's really why i have not been podcasting Uh, i've i've uh still been playing music i actually got this um really cool new pedal sorry my computer is going to sleep here this is such a long rant um i don't know so something about (laughs) getting the, the diagnosis of the leukemia i just been like uh I had this attitude, like, I'm just going to buy everything I want. I'm not waiting. If I want something, I'll just get it, which is so unlike me. So that's when I got the basketball hoop and I paid all this money for it. I didn't even care how much it cost. And uh, I'd been doing the same with musical stuff. You know, if I see something I want, I'm just going to get it. And um, I happen to be sitting on the couch. And I've been following a lot of uh, music YouTubers and Instagrammers and things and people that review guitar pedals and this video came out and it was about a a pedal called the triple graph which was created by this company called copper sound pedals in conjunction with jack white of third man records and apparently this pedal was just about i mean it was just coming out like that day and this was the very first reviewer and I'm a sucker for the octave effect and I was in the market for an octave pedal, which is something I don't have. And I really got just sucked in by the story of this, the the story of these guys that 
made this pedal. It was sort of a long shot. They were a small company, and they just sent Jack White a gift one day, um, one of their pedals that had this telegraph, an old-school telegraph key on it. And Jack White loved it and then had all these ideas for them to uh, collaborate and come up with this 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 octave pedal. And these guys were in way over their heads, but they just worked like for four years and were just so committed to, to making the most of this opportunity. And there's a whole awesome story behind it. And um, there is a hundred limited edition pedals. And again, I'm watching this video of the day the pedal's being released. And I, I know from uh, previous releases of pedals from third man records that these limited edition ones, these hundred limited edition pedals will be gone in like two hours. As soon as the word comes out, people just, just grab them. But I just happen to be online right when it's released. And I went onto the site and I saw I could still get one. And you know, they're more expensive than the non limited edition ones. And usually I would research things like this for weeks and decide, okay, which exact octave pedal do I want? But I was just so into the story of it, and in the, the moment, I just said, the hell with it, so I, I just got it. So I got this limited edition triple graph octave pedal, and it's so badass, and uh, I'm, I'm loving it, so I'll definitely be recording some, uh, some music on that bad boy. can I say I'm thinking also and I'm always thinking this of just sort of restructuring the the podcast one of the things I struggle with is I have so many interests and I really resist coming up with uh, one theme uh, for the podcast and I actually when I was in the in the midst of all this um, 
writing and thinking about uh, race and identity and, and not knowing how to express myself, I was going to create a brand new podcast. And I sat there and I, and I, I didn't want to sort of contaminate this podcast feed with anything that was controversial or political. So I was going to create a new one and I was going to call it the chamber door. Um, and for some reason that metaphor just came into my mind having to do with people being in different echo chambers and, um, opening the door between them as a way to communicate some, some bullshit like that. And I just created, uh, this whole idea for a new podcast and I was going to, you know, I wrote up a thing on it and I even created a, an intro. I'll drop the intro in here cause I, I think it's pretty funny. I was, I was thinking about, uh, this old Simpsons episode where they, where they do the Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven. And they're talking about, you know, rapping on the chamber door. And it was done by, uh, uh, shit. I forgot the guy's name. The guy that the voice of Darth Vader, James Earl Jones, I believe. And I made this, uh, this intro with little clips from that Simpsons episode and uh, I'm, I thought it came out really cool, so I'll put that in here uh, right now. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, to some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Here I opened wide the door. <laughs> this better be good. Darkness there, and nothing more. Huh? You know what would have been scarier than nothing? What? Anything! And, um, anyway. So, had I done that, had I created this this new podcast, I, you know, that's just another, like, thing I'm not doing. So I would have the Head the Gong podcast, the Integral Health Resources podcast, now this thing called The Chamber Door. Um... But uh, I kind of like the idea of having different vehicles to express myself. And so I was thinking of a broader umbrella for all this. And so I was going to change the, the general f- format of the podcast and have it be Green Desk Studios Presents as sort of the umbrella. And then it would be Green Desk Studios Presents the head the gong podcast or the chamber door or integral health resources so i'd have different different headings so that people that were just totally not interested in holistic health um if i happen to do a thing on integral health resources then whatever they can skip that and if the chamber door comes up and you know people just don't want to hear my rantings about philosophy and politics they could skip that one and um, head the gong is, is more like about creativity and music and stuff. So just to give a little signal, like, okay, here's what, here's what I'm going to be focusing on for this episode. So I don't know, I still might do it. I love getting things started and changing things and reorganizing things and as a way to distract me from actually creating anything. So I'm sure I'll fall into that trap, but anyway, I don't know. That I have anything else to say. I just felt like uh, just pushing the record button, getting back on this horse, getting back in the studio, 
recording some music, doing doing things with video and putting things on my YouTube channel and just starting to express myself again after this period of uh, self-imposed self-censorship. And uh, I don't know, we'll see uh, what I can learn from all this, but I feel like I'm finding my voice again and I, and I just, uh, whatever, I, I, I'm not under the same spell that I was under before. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I think I'll sign off for now and hopefully I do have the time. If I can get a little momentum here, I'll start getting into my creative projects again. And, uh, you know, I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it and I, I do enjoy it. So anyone who is listening, I hope you're all well, take care and uh, I'll check in with you next time. Bye. I'm gonna switch guitars now Because I hate that bass amp That was a good idea to try But it sounds like dog shit